This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Lauren Elise Rogers, thank you so much for joining us on the Mom Curious podcast. By the way, my name is Daniela Rabani, friends. Thank you for joining too. Well, we squeezed this one-off recording, and I usually um, batch record um, because, you know, hashtag mom life, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But we squeezed this, we squeezed this time in together because you're preparing to do a beautiful event in New York City, which is a pretty big deal for you. Mm -hmm. I know you're in Virginia. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to support in whatever way I can because I really believe in your work. So um, we'll be publishing this in advance of the event. And um, in the meantime, let's go ahead. And would you introduce yourself? I would love to. First of all, thank you. I'm going to get teary already for having me here. Um, being connected to you as a friend and as a sister has just been a dear, dear experience for me. So thank you for sharing your truth and bringing the stories out of individuals to be shared in this world. I feel that when we are able to see our lives mirrored in the life of another, it makes us feel less alone. Mm. So thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you Mm. so much for seeing me. Mm. So glad to be here. So We got connected through the wonderful world of Instagram, which I am so thankful for. Um, But aside from that, I am a sexuality educator and a holistic sexuality educator is an emphasis I usually like to throw in, especially to conversations like this, because my certification kind of balances the line between education and evidence-based research and stuff like that. The true meaty stuff and the heart and the body and the lived experiences of each of us. And it was really important to me to live in that space in between, to truly which is, do that. Which is where you actually live. I was going to say um, early on that I hope we can craft the conversation such that we can give our audience real tangible takeaways in terms of how they can connect to their sexuality, their desire, what consent means, real, real takeaways. And your own lived experience is so beautiful, transcendent, the hero's journey. Um, it is, it is to be shared. So, um, if we can, organize our thoughts in that way. Okay. I would love that. And I love that you already sort of tossed that to me, that <laughs> you're holistic in that it, this isn't um, this isn't theory-based. No. This is lived experience uh, <laughs> from you and from your from your clients. But um, we did we did meet on Instagram. We were actually introduced by the only guest I've ever had on twice. Her name is Jenny Greenstein. She is at your soul style. She is a beautiful powerhouse, endlessly interesting. And she pointed me in the direction of your account. And there was something so interesting that you said that hooked me the first time, which was you had been defending sort of your um, use of language around birthing people instead of women. And people were really up in arms about it, some people. 
And you said, I get it. You know, um, we have been taught and, and you were saying that you have been taught as a Christian that like if something is under attack, it's meant to be protected. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what if we could protect the things that are sacred to us without needing to feel under attack? Yes. Yes. It was profound that uh, that little bit of knowledge. And I've learned a lot from you since. But thank you for that. You're so welcome. It was revolutionary when I stumbled into it. When I when I realized that identity movements, which is what I was discussing there, succeed only until <laughs> they cross over from being minority movements so that we, we raise support. If you think of all things, and, it's, and some of it is beautiful, right? Some of the changes that we have experienced as people in female bodies came from identity movement. So I want any listener who ever experiences education out of this mouth to know that it's less black and white, rest vilify and exult. It's more curious, right? That's the nature of this podcast. Could we just be curious about the fact that sometimes systems benefit from us believing that we are under attack? And so sometimes just embracing curiosity instead of, oh, is my identity as mother, woman, mom, not actually under attack. If if instead this random sexuality educator on the mm-hmm. internet is using the term birthing person, maybe she is not coming after my title. And maybe the systems that are telling me that she is are inadvertently benefiting from me thinking that there's a war on this because then I cling more tightly. I become more codependent. I become more helpless. And I don't want anyone ever to feel helpless because that is my story. And if you're okay, I can dive into my story, my lived experience just a little bit. Why, and you said it so beautifully, this is the holistic element of my work is so important because I, I had to save myself. I was not brought up in a system that gave me the tools to reach out and bring in help. Um, I was raised here in the same small town in Virginia, like you mentioned, born and raised here. Um, the pa- my parents were first generation Christian, fundamental Christians. So I like to always tell anyone who listens to my story, they were doing the best that they could. They were trying to save their children, I'm the oldest of five, from the same pain that they experienced. And I think so many parents are just doing that. We're all just trying our best. Myself included. Uh, Myself included. Who knows? I, I, I don't... I don't like to vilify. That was not their intent. Um, But they put me into what is now termed a purity culture. And I was raised in a world in which man was the head of household. It was God, man, wife, children. Submission was a huge word. I knew that my primary role, the only narrative painted to me, was to grow up and be a wife and a mother. And it it was fine until it wasn't. I was a virgin on my wedding night. I thought I had done everything the right way. I had, I'm, I'm not a rule follower. I am a, I want to be the best. And so I was, Type a, right? uh-huh. I just wanted to succeed. And so I was going to do the best at this religious thing because I believed it was the right thing and I was going to succeed. So I also like everyone to know that I, I didn't feel like a victim in my story. 
which is what is so fascinating when we look from the outside into domestically abusive situations sometimes. And I have to remind myself of it now. When I see a person inside of a relationship where I can see that it's eating them alive, they might not know. They might not know, which is why it's so beautiful that someone was observing my story and watching me shrivel and shrink and shrivel and shrink kept having dreams about me, and then one day sat me down on a park bench and said, tell me what's going on. And I proceeded to kind of word vomit, is that the word? Like mm, all yeah. of my story. And they said, you need help. Fast forward a couple of months. It's all coming out in therapy. Thank the Lord for therapy. Oh my God, hallelujah. Uh, <sighs> lifesaver, right? And antidepressants. Because also, once I started to come to grips with the darkness of my story, I couldn't get up off the kitchen floor. I was just in the fetal position sobbing because it meant I was going to have to change everything. And I had been raised. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, well, I think there's also an element of when you, um, when you have enough safety to be seen, yes. when you have a mirror, when you have like a mother figure, you can collapse, yes. but when you don't, you have to just soldier on. And I happen to know your story, and it it was domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's another podcast you guys can listen to that that goes in a, a lot deeper. Um, but I, but I I just want to say that there's someone listening who's in this situation right now. That is what this podcast is um, developed for, has been developed for. A Rolodex of people who make you feel not so alone because there are other people just like you. There are, uh, and, and so I just, I just wanted to put that out there that there is an ear here right now who is going through this and might not even know, and you might be their um julia who i know is your um person who saved you you know what i mean yeah yeah that's and the beauty of that's the beauty of the internet that's <laughs> there are the some shitty things for sure but <laughs> this is the beauty of the internet this absolutely is the beauty of the internet and i refuse i refuse <laughs> to vilify it yeah no well, i it's it was transformational and I wouldn't be here without, right? Someone who said, let me hold space for you. Let me create a container in which you can break down and we can sort this out together and never determined the ending for me, right? That was mine to determine. And I think it's where the, the rumblings of what would become my future career started, right? The How fascinating is this that we can see someone validate their lived experience and not tell them how their story should turn out. Not pick up the pen that was already in somebody else's hands and keep writing for them, but place it back in theirs and say, no, my dear, it's your job. It's your job. So I started unpacking and unlearning and relearning and officially became a divorcee. This thing that I had learned my whole life would be the downfall, right? A single mother, who was I? And realized I knew nothing of my own sexual self. Nothing. I think you might have buried the lead on the fact that your husband was gay. Yes. Surprise. 
Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Which is so um, fa- which is really fascinating because you are such a sexual being. Such a sexual being. And I I had come to believe, so also to anyone out there listening, <laughs> I hear you. I had come to believe that I was unattractive, undesirable, um, that there was something wrong with me, that I I wasn't, I had been raised to believe that in some way I was not meeting my husband's needs. Mm. And you were, I mean, you weren't because you were. I wasn't. I I wasn't. I I did not have the the physical characteristics. No, no. And it's fine. And no, 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 happily gay, which was another teeny bit of the story that's very fascinating is he didn't come out until a year ago right now. So I went through, he told everyone I was a liar. Like the whole process was, was miserable. He denied my truth, denied my experience. You know, we have all those slogans in the world of believe women. Nobody believed me. No one. I was made to do a bipolar screening. I was, I mean, it was relentless. It took, and so we had been divorced two years before he came out Um, and then was celebrated from on high. We have done a lot of work to repair and a lot of individual therapy, boundaries, trust, I believe deeply is earned through trustworthy behavior. So it has taken years to restore. Um, but I truly believe that love does win at the end of the day and forgiveness does not condone or pardon wrong behavior mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that forgiveness is for me, not oh. for him. Can you, yeah. can you go into that for me? Yeah. I, at some point in my journey, could feel the bitterness. And I think listeners will understand what I'm saying, right? That, that it can take a hold of us. It can become like a sickness. And I wanted to release it because I didn't want to carry that anger, that that fury into other encounters, other meetings, other relationships. I wanted to release it. And so when I read that forgiveness does not pardon or condone any behavior, that forgiveness is for the one doing the forgiving, Mm. it changed my world. Now, I believe that everyone is deserving of forgiveness. Not everyone is deserving of a relationship with me. Mm Let me say it again. Everyone is deserving of forgiveness. Not everyone is deserving of relationship. It does not equal reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we have gone wrong. My sweet mama Mm -hmm. used to say, East, West, baby, East, West, baby. And she was quoting this piece of scripture that said, like, as far as the East is from the West, so far does my love extend to you. Meaning she thought that forgiveness kind of washed everything clean. And so little Lauren observed her again and again, letting toxic relationships back into her life and back into her life. And I just thought that was normal. And so in my abusive marriage, my sexless marriage, my marriage to a man struggling with alcoholism because he couldn't have the fullness of his sexual expression, I would be affronted and then would be hurt, but then would forgive and reconcile. Right. Right. And that pattern repeated for forever. So when I learned that I did not have to do that, and then in fact, it was setting me free to love him. Mm. 
because I didn't need to have this interaction with him on a daily basis, right? right? There were years in which I didn't know what he was doing. It's a small town and ooh, small towns love gossip, right? So they'd say, wow. did you see what? And I would say, no, y'all. And I would appreciate it if you didn't tell me. I have I, no. I, I'm just shocked that you stayed in this small town. As My a daughter. sex educator, yeah, your daughter. But it's really interesting to me that um, that you could go from purity culture to a sex educator, <laughs> loud and proud, to tens of thousands of people on the internet, um, it, based out of a small town. That was another strange moment. For the longest time during my separation and divorce, I was running up to the city. So you know that there's a small train from my little town to Penn. And so I was just in the city all the time. And at one point during these train rides, I had just had this like out of body experience where I heard voice, God, universe, you name it, mother, earth, whatever, say, hmm, you're running away. And you, Lauren, are still coming with you every time you run away. What would it look like for home, for safety, to be within yourself? Hmm. What if you could be at home right here and you could live in this town of people who are calling you slut and whore and rogue and does so many names, the sinner, the evil one has a hold of her. What if you don't run away? What if you plant your feet and look this community in the eyes? Could you then be at home everywhere? Well, your home is your body. It's here. Right. And every time I would run away to a different city, I was still coming Right. Like the th I, my town was gone. Sure. But the disruption inside here was still coming along. Right. I'd hop on a train. But Lauren's soul, Lauren's unmet needs, Lauren's inability to thrive was still coming with me to these new locations. I was just transporting myself. So when I thought, oh, that's <laughs> that's what I need to do. And maybe someday I will be pulled to a different place. We've talked about this. But then healed and whole Lauren comes along. Like yeah. how did how did you heal and get whole from my perspective so quickly? Because, you know, I did that deep dive. <laughs> did it take about five five years? I mean, that's three plus decades of indoctrination. There it was a, a decade of abuse. Um and you seem so embodied and in love now, I should say. Um, how did that happen so quickly? Or did it not feel that quick? <laughs> no, it's, it's, you're not the first one to ask me this. So many people do. And I've just, I've been contemplating on this recently. You know, in, as a sexuality educator now, there's many like models of education and anyone who's been an education major or anything, you know, there's models for everything. But one of the models we base our work on is this PLICIT model. And it's just an acronym, but the P stands for permission. And you said this earlier, right? That Julia in essence gave me permission. What we find as sexuality educators is that it actually doesn't take that long to reclaim and reaccess what's always been there if given 
the permission to do so. And before I was a sexuality educator, when I was just learning, I wrote a course called Author Your Narrative. And one of the entire chapters of this course is called Permission. Because somewhere intuitively in myself, I knew that for the decades of life that I had lived up to that point, I had been seeking permission to live from everyone but myself, from my father, from my church, from my husband. And it's such a good question. I think the moment I gave myself permission to dig, to fling open every door and to kind of I mean, we use that phrase drop in, right? Like that's such a new agey, very 2023 word. When I dropped in to myself and sat with everything, it was right there. Like I always tell my clients now that it's not my job as the sexuality educator to wave a magic wand and change their beliefs. It's my job to help them to create containers in which they can reclaim and reaccess what was already there. Mm. And I think, I think it was fascinating to me. What does Dorothy say in the wizard of Oz? Like it was all, there's no place like home. And it was right here. Like it was right here to begin with. Right. I, I think we go seeking everywhere else, but inside ourselves for the information that is already there. Well, just to translate, your um, sexuality is in your body. Your it's sexuality right is literally at your fingertips. Right here. And I know it's, it, this is like such um, a hot topic. You know, you, you were raised in a religious household, as was I. Many, many, many of us, even if we're secular, mm-hmm. even if we're not religious at all, this is a this is a Christian country mm-hmm. with Christian ideals. Um yeah. And um, sexuality, sensuality is really taboo, gross, um, problematic to yes. talk to even talk about. But what I'm really hearing on a tangible level is your own pleasure mm-hmm. is accessible to you at mm-hmm. any moment. Of course, in a consensual environment, in a yes. in the um, in the in the right time and place, but that. You know, I have a meditation teacher who says, you have a pharmacy of hormones, a cocktail of um, of of pleasure chemicals waiting to be released in your own body right now, right right this second. Mm -hmm. And I know that you often say pain is the uh, pleasure rather is the antidote to pain. Mm -hmm. You were living in a pain body. Yes. No. And so to speak to that, and is it okay if I go into some sexual content? I would love to. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah. And I would love to really hand our listener some, some tangible uh, advice steps. um, Because I do it (laughs) because I really, I really believe that. And and I'll tell you why exactly. So um, Lauren and I were working on this um, event. I'm not, I'm no longer able to do the event. And in the process, this woman that I don't really know that well had become such a confidant and um, a big sister in that I said, wow, I do not feel comfortable. I do not feel comfortable. And she said, 
Well, if your body doesn't consent, we have to listen to it. And all of a sudden, that language taken from the sexual realm into my professional life, into my schedule, into my energy field, it rocked me because it's not behind closed doors where you need consent. This is across the board. I live here in this body of mine. So when Lauren said to me, how can we make this consensual for you? How can we make this pleasurable for you? How can we make this collaboration really fulfill your desires? Now, these are all words that we often use in sexual education, in intimate relationships, but I am the same person in the bedroom as I am on stage. And if I override my uh, bodies, and it's so beautiful that she, after all these years of, 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 of being ignored and gaslit and, uh, and some, and often listened to very often, my, my body's really loud. So often listened to, but often not, she will tell me loud and clear. I feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable. And Lauren, you held my hand in this most beautiful way. And you said, I honor you. I honor your body. I honor your wisdom. I honor your desires. So the reason why we need a platform for this conversation, yes, of course, it is so important in the bedroom. It is so important just with your own self <laughs> in the bedroom. But the way it, it paints the world for you every relationship, every negotiation, we need to be able to talk about sex because sex is in our body. We are sexual beings. We are sensual beings. Our body is the same body here in this conversation as it is with my husband when I birthed my children. It's the same gal, same meat suit. So that is my introduction to why we need to talk about pleasure, mm -hmm. consent, desire, why we need to hone these skills in private, perhaps first mm -hmm. in relationship with a mentor, in relationship with a beloved, so that we can really live fully in our lives. Yes. I thank you for sharing that because it has become so integral to everything that I do that I often forget how, how it does inform, how the self-check-in. So let me give some words around what I do before any interaction now, whether it is with myself, whether it is with my partner, whether it is with my daughter, whether it is with a friend, or whether it is in a business interaction, I say to my body, hmm, I notice you, hmm. I trust you, and I value you. What is it, oh body of mine, that you need 
want, or desire. And I promise that I will notice, trust, and value it. Tell me. I will listen. I am here. This can be scary because sometimes our bodies can say things that are not fun, that are not going to be pleasant, right? I'm saying I don't want to do that thing. Well, that thing's fun. I'm saying I don't want to do that thing. Will you listen to me? Yeah. Right? So then it is our responsibility. It is our right and our responsibility to communicate sometimes to self, sometimes to other whether it's lover in the bedroom or whether it's dear friend or whether it's boss or employee, it is our responsibility to communicate. And these are the words that I encourage anyone to try. Either ask a will you question or a may I question. A will you do this for me question is a request for service. A may I do this, is a request to take something from another, but consensually, mm. consensually. Then this is the part that is the magic, is mm -hmm. following it up with, may I, will you, it would provide me with, mm. which is the circle back around. That is, that is, our accountability. That is my responsibility. It is not the other person's to be a mind reader. It is not the other person's to necessarily even give me that thing. They have agency. They have autonomy. They have a right to their own well-being. My employer, my employee, my friend, my lover. They have a right to, at this point, check in with themselves and say, am I willing or able to provide this thing? Am I interested in allowing this or am I interested in serving in this way? Then maybe it's a full yes. Maybe it's a full bodied, right? We always talk about the hell yes with consent, right? Maybe it's a full bodied yes. Maybe it's a, hmm, not fully in that way, but could we? And then we begin negotiation, which this is what you and I talked about a lot. I, I think that so often we see negotiation done in a masculine way, yeah. which is not really negotiation. It's a demand for <laughs> their will to be done. My, <laughs> my, my, friend, uh, my friend is a producer and she said, I wish you... The experience of offering a man a job, then negotiating to his higher rate, then him saying he's going to leave, and then he's going to ask for more money, and then you're going to hire him, and then turning to the next position and hiring a woman and her saying, thank you. Mm -hmm. I wish you that experience so you would know mm -hmm. that we, have there, we don't have to do it their way, but we no. have to do it. We must. But that's not, you know, I get so frustrated with culture sometimes when we make this a war against men and women. Right. Thank you. I, I, that's, it's not the solution, right? More hate heaped upon hate never heals. Thank it you. It doesn't. Education, empowerment, equipment heals. Women having safety and containers and men who will protect their ability to learn about the power of which we have been talking about, we should coin this form of negotiation, sensual negotiation, sacral negotiation, right? This consensual form, negotiation. Consensual negotiation. And it's I, totally okay for everyone. What was so cool is that, Lauren, you were so beautifully, 
in touch with yourself mm-hmm. in order to be held in well, whatever works mm-hmm. for the other person, we've got to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. We've got to be okay with that. I've got to be okay with the no. And so this is where the revolution started in my body. And this is where I would like, so we just applied my modality for teaching consensual communication to a, a big scale. Now let's take it minute to yeah. self, practical yeah. scales, okay? Mm-hmm. Our bodies will often tell us when they're tired. And I always like to tell a story that if you were in the library with your best friend, they would only have to be like, hey, Lauren, hey, Lauren. And you could hear them because you could hear a pin drop in a library. Now, if you went to a concert with your best friend, they would need to go, hey, Lauren, right? Because of the amount of noise that crowds our nervous systems on any given day, our bodies are always trying to speak to us. We are just not listening. So first and foremost, takes the practice of, hmm, what do I need, want, or desire on every day? And this is where it gets really practical. If you're starting to feel tired, going, hmm, okay, wise body, hit me. What do you need, want, or desire? Do you need a snack? Do you need a nap? Do you need to call a friend? Do you need to watch a funny meme? Sometimes these things are really simple. Yeah. Okay. So I do that on a daily basis all the time. And then I provide it to myself because it is not somebody else's job. It's not my partner's job, not my child's job, not my intern's job. It's my job, but this extends to pleasure. So in my single, my season of singleness, I had to learn how to provide my body with the sexual pleasure it had been robbed of for a decade. So I had to learn about orgasm about all of the orgasms I was capable of and how to provide them for myself. I'm so proud of you. So many orgasms did this Lauren learn. So many. But that takes time too. I was still, so I was not only getting divorced, my business was getting acquired. I was single parenting. My my ex-husband had lost our daughter because of alcoholism. He didn't have access to her for months on end. But... I still mattered. And I think now when, you, when you're asking that question, how did you do it so quickly? I think it was out of survival. Like, I want to be healthy. I have been unhealthy for a decade. So I think when folks are like, you did it so quickly, I think in my mind, it's like, well, it's about damn time. Like for a decade, I was starved. And then all of a sudden, someone showed me a buffet. And I was like, oh, I'm going to eat. Watch me. Um, I can't. I'm so excited about that. Um, they say in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. actually, mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I'm not actually a recovering it's alcoholic. It's a beautiful book. I, it's yeah. a beautiful book. But I, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. Yes. But the promise is always there. And yes. sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. And uh, you know, for the woman who's listening, for the person who's listening, who this applies to. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. If your if your process takes ten years, beautiful. If your process takes a moment, there are people who really do have a download in a moment. Mm-hmm. <gasps> I matter. Whoa. Mm-hmm. There are. I, I, yeah. So you so you started. What did you want to say? You were t- going to talk no, about. No, I just. I, I was going to go into another thing, and then I was like, "Do I even go into this?" One of my modalities that I teach is the difference between explicit, latent, and body based sex negative beliefs. Explicit are like little weeds that you can pull from a garden. You're like, you used to believe that, don't believe that anymore. They can be 
pulled really quickly. And usually on our own too. We're like, huh, don't believe that anymore. It doesn't serve me. Latent body, body sex negative beliefs are like weeds in a garden that are like under the soil and they need a little tilling to get out. Okay. Usually those can be uprooted through an incredible book on sexuality or working with a sexuality educator or listening to some fabulous podcasts. Latent sex negative beliefs also fully able to rid ourselves of those. Body-based sex negative beliefs are equivalent to soil blight, to sick soil. They do take time to heal. And I want all listeners to know that even though I was able to, with some good work, rid my body of latent sex negative beliefs and explicit sex negative beliefs. The body-based ones took time. Even after I was in my beginning stages of my relationship with my now husband, love of my life, Mm. beautiful, magical story Mm. of cross-country love, Mm. this lady being like, let's see what's going on in California when I was out for a work conference and walking into his presence and my energy going... There he is. Wow. There was a whole nother level of body-based sex negative beliefs that lived in my soul that took additional years to work through. Um, I had disassociative episodes. I had, because once, right, I had healed self. So self-pleasure was rocking and rolling, right? Like agency rocking and rolling. But then when you put this traumatized individual back in relationship, I had a whole nother level of healing to do. And that is beautiful and healthy and fine. And I, I would never want a listener to think, what's wrong with me? I can't know. The body-based beliefs take take new patterns. And to speak to that phrase you used earlier that I love so much, pleasure is the greatest antidote to pain. It takes continual pleasure practices, continual new experiences, that cooking class, that painting class, that rock climbing adventure, that starting a new book that you've never read. Like maybe you start reading sci-fi when you've always read romance novels creating new neural pathways in the brain that bring you untold pleasure is how we continue to heal pain. Yes, go ahead. No, I just love how you're saying that the erotic just lives all the time. It lives in the rock climbing. It lives in the ocean. It lives, you know, and I also really just love hearing the relational healing and how deep the love can be when you know that you can trust this person, that he's safe, that he's patient, Mm -hmm. that he is, you know, that, that actually, Mm -hmm. it can be an opportunity, actually. It 100% can. And he moved um, to Virginia. He moved to Virginia, but then COVID hit. He moved to Virginia in January, 2020. And then we all know what happened in March of 2020. And the one condition I had made was absolutely move across the country. I cannot be your everything. I was someone's everything before. Codependency reigned supreme in my relationship before. I cannot do that again. I have no interest in doing it again. So if you move to this small town in the Mm -hmm. middle of nowhere, you need to make friends. You need to have hobbies. You need to be among the people. I, I have no interest And so, right, I mean, literally, he had, like, interviews lined up with this, that, and the other thing. He had had just started, like, jujitsu at a new gym, and then the world shut down. And we all 
cohabitated and had to survive with the one person. And that was in March. And by May, I was watching like the light dim in his eyes. And May 5th, 2020, I said, you want to talk? And he said, I need to go home. And I said, I know you do. So June 1st, 2020, he packed up the entire life he had built here and our love and moved back across the country. It was the hardest, most beautiful, most earth-shattering, most... I don't even still know how to put it into words, but I think for the purpose of this storytelling, it needs to be known that I needed to know that I could still survive, right? That I had known a love that deep where there had been no pain, no harm done to me. It was purely open-hearted. And look at me still standing. Like, look at that, Lauren. You have built such a sense of self that the richest love you've ever known in your life just moved away and you're still okay. You're no longer codependent upon all the systems that taught you that you were helpless and worth nothing without a man, without a husband. You are a human being. So we moved, we tried dating other people. That was hilarious and not a thing. And then by August of that year, we were long distance across the country. It's when flights started opening back up and stuff like that. So we would bounce back and forth. And then by 2021, summer 2021, a whole year after he'd been gone, he moved back to Virginia the second time. And now we're married and have a house. And it's, it, it, it's partnership. It doesn't feel like any part of me is gone. It feels like all of me is celebrated. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that trial and tribulation was, it was like with your whole self online. Yes. Right? Like, oh my gosh, what a difference from the lo- the young, sweet, yes. young, I mean, Christian, cri- evangelical Baby. Christian Lauren yes. who didn't want to be that. There are people who are happy yes. in, in, um, I think that faith can be, uh, there are studies that show that faith can increase longevity. Oh. It is, it is beautiful. I am all for it. I am it, all for it. If it's for you. Yes. But that girl just, it, that was not, that was a shell of Lauren Elise Rogers. You you didn't have here's the thing that I'm I'm noticing is that um from my experience of being in relationship with you and it's you know you're so whole and wholehearted that whatever the sexuality education has done for your being in coming back online it allows you to be in full conversation. You do you, babe. You do you. And I can celebrate that because I'm doing me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a cool way to live. And I see how your business is thriving. How, how your voice is, is getting out there in the world. It is so beautiful. Thank you. It's why I really believe that this work, uh, the sexuality piece, we cannot abandon ourselves. 
we cannot we we in conversation once said that where many of us most of american adults are locked in a teenage sexual um freeze almost mm -hmm. it's the way we consider our sexuality and it's 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 like we are at an arrested development mm -hmm. No, and it's, it's researched. And you're referencing this fascinating study I stumbled into that most individuals are informing their current day sexuality upon beliefs that they formed at ages 7, 14, and 21. Most of us, unless we have done the work. So yes, what you're saying, right? I often say that sex isn't everything, but it is a part of everything. Yeah. Right? There is a reason that the World Health Organization says that sexual well-being is fundamental to individuals, families, and communities. And I believe that it is if we know our sexual self, if our sexual self mirrors the same values and ethics that we desire to embody, that we are then able to do everything out of an outpouring and then starts social contagion. Then starts it starts to ripple onto our relationships. Then it starts to ripple onto our families, then our communities. Then we start to heal the world. If more little children were able to voice what they need, want, and desires, I believe we'd have less school shootings. If more little children knew how to go, whom to go to, how to meet their own needs, we would heal the world. If ch little children were watching parents do it, my child totally called me out the other day because we talk about asking for help all the time and how it's a beautiful thing. And she called out how when I'm in a grocery store that I like refuse to ask for help. Like I want to find it on my own. Oh, it's and like I the remnants of, of like an uh, like an old self. That's so bad. And I said, mm, you're right. I will, I will change that. One of my favorite authors says that every single one of us who interacts with children are sexuality educators. Tell me more. Every one of us. So that, right? My own child was experiencing, here's her sexuality educator mother, right? But the thing that comes to her mind, her mind, when she thinks of asking for help or not asking for help is the grocery store. When her own mother doesn't know where the pine nuts are, and refuses to ask for help and instead goes down every aisle, right? She is absorbing, she is witnessing knowledge of self, lack of embarrassment, understanding that I am whole, I am fine. I can ask for the wisdom of an another to help me in this moment. I can ask a will you question, mm. right? Instead of getting frantic or frustrated, I can sit in, mm, will you help me? kind grocery store helper, right? What you're here to do. Right. It doesn't say anything less about me, that no. I need relationship, that I need your no. wisdom, that I and need I your guidance. No, right. no. And so, and that, so there's five circles of sexuality and I know we're nearing time, but they are sensuality. It's just what you shared, right? Then intimacy, then sexual identity, then sexual health and reproduction, and then last but not least, sexualization. And I would say to any listener, if they do not know where they stand on all of those five words, if they don't know what that means to them, then, then start the work, right? How does sensuality inform your life? 
Do you acknowledge your need for intimacy? Whether you are partnered or unpartnered, you have a right to intimacy, to be known and seen and experienced. It doesn't need to come from a sexual partner either. It can come from a good friend, but you deserve it. And then sexual identity. Have you done some work into who you are and who, how you want to express yourself because you deserve to? And then self, sexual health and reproduction. Do you know your cycles if you're a menstruating person? Do you understand them to the point where you can celebrate them? And then moving into sexualization, I feel that that is the majority of the education most of us got, how to avoid being perpetrated against, right? How to avoid being looked at or blamed or all of these things. I Name feel like, called. Cat called, right? All of the no, things. No, I, I was thinking the opposite, right? Right, Like how 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 you can withstand the name calling because you're like, oh, that's your problem. That's yes. actually not a me problem. That's a you problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much that informs you're exactly right so much more than the sexual experience. I will say that I do think it heightens sexual experiences. I think living a life where the erotic is right here, right? So touchable makes movement from non-sexual spaces to consensual sexual encounters that much more integrated. Mm. I have so many clients who will talk about this pleasure gap, which is another research thing, right? That going from momming and right responsibilities at work and this, that, and the other thing to a sexual encounter with their partner feels literally almost unattainable, too hard. The chasm is too wide, mm. right? So we work less on trying to meet your partner's sexual needs, more on how do we infuse all of those things you just listed off that get in the way of healthy and pleasurable sexual encounters free of coercion and pain. Mm. How do we infuse your life with eroticism and pleasure? Mm. And it's possible, but it takes, takes some fun work, some really juicy work. It takes uh, adult work, being yes. an adult in an adult takes, body. Yes. Um, I'm wondering if perhaps... Um, you would share some books with us or some resources. I know that you, you of course, are sex ed for you on Instagram um, and you have your own podcast. Mm -hmm. But if there are any other resources that you could share, I would love to put them in the show notes. Um, I hope, I hope y'all, I said y'all because I'm in Virginia. No. You're in Virginia. I've I'm, transported you. I'm in Brooklyn, all right? So <laughs> I hope you all um, maybe took notes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to actually listen back to this and take some notes. Um, thank you for being you in the world. Thank you for, um, thank you for living the way you do. Thank you so much. It's, it's an honor to be seen for all that I am. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's so cool to be a warrior and to be soft at the same time. Mm, that was something that I literally journaled in a journal ah! years ago mm -hmm, that I wanted to fight this battle, right? The hero's journey. And I called it my heroine's journey without becoming hard because I wanted to retain my softness. I wanted to 
still be penetratable. Mm. I wanted that feminine to still live in me. And I, there's something in my soul said, you can do this. You can be strong and soft. So it's like all through the journal of probably 2018. Wow. You did it. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Cool. Now I'm here. Um, Books really quickly. I can give like real quick book list. I recommend Michaela Baum's Wild Woman's Way to everyone. Um, It's a reclaiming and reaccessing pleasure just in the everyday. And it's beautiful and touchable. Um, And then Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are, which I know is kind of all over the internet right now, but it's fantastic and Emily has done countless research and she's a sex educator like myself. And it's just, it's phenomenal and does branch into other things. And then if people want a nerdy read on the modality that I was speaking of, the wheel of consent, Dr. Betty Martin's, the art of giving and receiving is much heavier. It's, it's meant for, um, yeah, people who teach, but if you're, if you're a nerd like me and would love to kind of like dig into a deeper read, that's by far my favorite. And if they want to get some coaching one-on-one with you. Please, please, please. please. Yeah, my website, if you go to sexedforyou.com, there's a little button that says free 15-minute consult. Um, Jump on that. Schedule one. We can chat about your particular story. Um, All of my work is customized to each client. We do a needs assessment, and we talk about knowledge, skills, and attitudes that you want to work on in this season. As we have found and discovered, sexuality is so broad that there's no way I could impart every bit of education into one human being. And honestly, that research shows that that's too much. So I base my education on the needs of each individual client. You're sent personal goals and objectives. And if and only if they feel consensual in your body, do we begin education? I love that caveat. Thank you again. Such beautiful language, such a beautiful prompt. So earth shattering (laughs) paradigm shifting where can we find you um otherwise yeah um sex underscore ed underscore ed what sex underscore ed underscore four underscore you (laughs) on instagram but if you search sex ed for you it's all there i'm on twitter at like sex ed for you as well um yeah and facebook of course for those of us who are still on the old-fashioned facebooks anyone can send me an email at lauren at sex ed for you.com i would be honored to discuss with you on there um but instagram is my biggest platform favorite platform still where we met it's where we met. It's where I feel most comfortable. Yeah, uh, I would, I would be honored. I do have a monthly membership program that's just ten bucks a month. If people want to like dip a toe in, it's a really, it's a good way to. We have a book every month that we read that we discuss. We're reading a lot erotic literature right now, and we're talking about it on Sunday. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, and journal prompts that I send to my members every month, at the top of the month, and then a podcast exclusively for my members. That's just, just what like Mama Lauren is feeling every month. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you for your open hearts and your open ears. I know that this topic can be triggering, that this topic can feel taboo. And I just wanted to acknowledge that and let you know that I believe you matter and that I matter and that Lauren matters. We are made of matter. (laughs) We are made of so much pleasure and goodness, and we deserve it. 
We deserve it. All your desires, may they be manifest. May you feel fully alive and awake in your sensual body. And may you have a great day. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Mom Curious Podcast. My name is Daniela Ravani. I am your host. And I would love to continue this conversation at Daniela Rabani on Instagram. And if you'd be so kind to rate and review, share this podcast, I would be just really grateful. Catch you next time, every Tuesday on the Mom Curious Podcast, produced by Hoff Studios. You can find them at Hoff Studios on Instagram as well. All right, have a great day.